Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. So I am the type of person that doesn't have a problem throwing things away. Like kids projects, eh, I don't need them. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I know it sounds terrible, but I don't like clutter. I don't like a lot of things sitting around, which is ironic because if you ever come visit me at my house, there's just stuff everywhere. I think that's just part of the reason there's seven of us leaving our stuff somewhere and so seven people's worth of stuff turns into too much stuff so I'm always throwing things out you know always looking for opportunities to simplify and I realize that the one thing that I am not able to throw out is socks So I'm curious if I'm the only person that struggles with this. I have a big, giant plastic bag filled with socks. Socks that I can't find the match to. Socks that I'm hoping one day they will magically appear out of the woodwork and I will be able to match them up and then put them in the corresponding drawer. But I have piles of socks everywhere. I'm actually sitting on my bedroom floor and I'm looking at two piles of socks. And it just occurred to me that by the time I find the match, they probably won't even fit the foot that they're supposed to go on. Like the pile of girl socks right now on my bedroom dresser is so tall that it just keeps falling over. I have a separate bag for the boy's socks. And then I just have a big giant pile on my dresser for the girl socks. Now, all my socks have matches, but that's besides the point. So I'm just wondering, does any of you struggle with getting rid of socks? Like, is it a character flaw or I just need to get rid of them, right? I'm looking at them and I'm making the decision as I talk to you on this podcast. I'm just going to throw them out. Like the time has come. It has been months, probably years if I'm being completely honest, and it's time to move on because every time I look at them, it just frustrates me that my kids can't put their things away or keep things together. Just just be organized. But I probably am not a great example by having piles of clothes on top of my dresser. I'm not modeling good behavior. So you know what? We're getting rid of them. I've just decided. Thank you for all of your help. Um, I think that's good for today. No. I'm just kidding. Today we're going to talk about social eating, specifically because we've got a holiday coming up. We've got Memorial Day, and I typically do a podcast on picnic eating and parties, but today I want to make it a little bit more broad. I want to talk about social eating because, honestly, these tips can be helpful anytime that you are eating in front of other people, which may go beyond a holiday, right? We are starting to... um, We're going to go into picnic season, you know, the summer where you might have more cookouts and barbecues and opportunities to 
to be with friends. So I want to make sure that you are armed and ready. You have good information at your fingertips. You have tools in your belt. You are ready to do your healthiest, <laughs> do the, the healthiest me, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. I want you to feel really confident that you can meet your health goals and still have a good time. How about that? That sounds a little bit better. So I've got 10 tips for you. 10, because I am generous. I'm going to give you 10 tips. And some of these you may be like, yep, I got that. And others you might be like, ooh, that one's going to be a little tricky. But that's why we're here. We're here for all of it. And all of us are starting at different places. All of us are still working on some things. Remember, it's not a race. It's not like, well, you should have had this one checked off already and have moved on to number two. Sometimes, you know, one of these tips can take a couple months or even a couple years, depending on where you're starting at until you're ready to see it through completion. And honestly, just because you think you've nailed it and you've mastered it, chances are it may come around again at some point. And so it's always a good idea to do a refresher and to uh, do a recommitment, as with any habits that we're trying to change. So let's jump right into it. All right, tip number one, this is a simple one. We'll st we're starting off easy, and we're going to generally ramp, or generally, we're going to gradually ramp up to um, some tougher ones. But the first one, this is a one you've heard before. It's know the menu before you go, right? Know the menu. It is so much easier to come up with a plan when you know what is going to be available than just trying to show up and make decisions on the fly, right? The other reason why it's good to know the menu ahead of time is because if you don't hear something on the menu that you know you would like or that is in alignment with your goals, you can offer to bring it. You can offer to bring enough for everyone to share, not just you. Like, oh, I don't like the meal she's serving, so I'm just going to bring my own dinner that night. Yeah, if you notice that the host is not um, offering a lot of vegetable options, offer to bring a vegetable. Even if she asks you to bring dessert, bring a vegetable too for everyone to share. Right? That's the best part about asking ahead of time. You can disguise it in the with the thought of, I don't want to repeat what somebody else is bringing, right? Do you know what everyone's bringing so that way I don't bring the duplicate dish, right? Or even if you do, let me tell you, I rarely go to parties where there's like four veggie trays. There's usually one. So I don't think you have to worry about having too many vegetables, all right? Here's the problem. If you don't know what is going to be offered... If you can't control the what, then the only thing that you have left to control is the how much. So I like knowing the what ahead of time so I can just mentally prepare, uh, create my plan for the, for the meal. All right. Here's the deal. Don't assume there are going to be a lot of healthy options. Don't assume. Right? Most people look at parties as an opportunity to be bad. And I'm putting be bad in air quotes. Right? Oh, finally, I can just eat what I want. I can eat all the fun foods. I finally have permission because it's a party. So if a lot of people have that mentality, I get to eat all the bad foods I don't ever let myself eat any other time, then there's a chance there might not be a lot of healthy op options available for you. Okay? 
So know the menu before you go. Tip number two, don't go to parties and look at them as an opportunity to be bad. Just because everybody else is looking at the party as an opportunity to be bad doesn't mean that you need to look at parties as an opportunity to be bad. Remember, there is an intersect. Find it. There's an intersect between your health goals and having a good time. What does that gray space look like? I promise you there is a lot of space in between eating nothing and eating all of it. I've heard the tip before, you know, think about what you're putting on your plate and ask yourself, what would I be, what do I need to put on my plate that I would be really proud of myself the next morning? That's another way to reframe it. I know for myself when I'm going to parties, I'm excited to try foods that I personally don't make or try foods that are a little um, more indulgent, you know, maybe a good dessert, right? I'm excited to try those things. I know I want to be able to go to parties and try things. But I also know that if I just eat a whole bunch of high sugar, high fat foods, I'm not going to feel well. And I don't want to feel sick that night or the next day. That doesn't feel good to me. And so I've learned how to balance so that I can leave a party not feeling overly stuffed, but also feeling really proud of myself. I got to try new foods. uh, I got to hang out with the people I wanted to. And I still feel good, feel good that night to go to bed and feel good the next morning to, to do my workout. So those are the parameters I look at. But again, don't look at parties as an opportunity to be bad. Also, don't assume you're going to do bad. Well, it's at a party. I probably am not going to do well. I'm teaching a, um, a class right now. And in the beginning of the class, it was interesting because a lot of the participants, we would go into the weekend and the participants would be like, well, I doubt I'm going to do well this weekend. Right? I've got a I've got a party to go to, so we'll see. Hopefully it works out. I'm like, well, with that attitude, you probably aren't gonna do well. Like, okay, well let's 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 get more details. Where's the party gonna be? What kind of foods are gonna be offered? Which foods are you excited to try? How long are you gonna be at the party? Do you need to eat something ahead of time? Do you need to exercise earlier that day? Like, what does that look like for you? It doesn't just automatically mean, oh, I guess I'm just going to do bad, so (sighs) woe is me. No, there's plenty of things that you can do. We just got to figure it out, and we got to put a little bit of thought into it. You aren't going to do terrible if you put a little bit of thought. In fact, now as a couple weeks have progressed into this class, a lot of the participants are like, wow, I did really great this weekend. I, you know, I got to enjoy myself, but I still listen to my fullness cues. Like it's a completely different experience. They went from, I probably am going to do bad and therefore doing bad to, well, hold on. What are some places that I can still make good choices and then gaining some of that confidence when they followed through with it? So Again, don't look at parties as an opportunity to be bad. You're going to do just fine. All right. Number three, look for ways to lighten up the recipes. Here's the deal with recipes. They are suggestions. You do not have to follow the recipe. You can adjust it. 
And I know this is mind blowing for some people because we think a recipe is written in stone, but it's really not. You can adjust how much cheese goes into a recipe. You can adjust how much sugar goes into a recipe. You can adjust how much salt. You can change the ratio of ingredients. You can, you know, put half the amount of starch that the recipe calls for and triple the vegetables. You can do whatever you want to make that dish what you want it to be. A recipe is just a suggestion. All right. I've shared this with you many times. I grew up in Lancaster County. My husband grew up Mennonite. Casseroles are a pretty big deal when we go to different parties, especially if it's family parties. All right, there are some family favorite dishes that I really look forward to, but I've also learned how to change up the recipes so that they can be a little healthier, whether it be alternating or alternating, substituting like low-fat milk for whole milk, um, substituting how much cheese I put into a dish. We actually made a pineapple stuffing for Easter a few weeks ago, and I got the recipe from my mom, and her recipe has a lot of sugar in it. And so when I made it uh, for Easter this year, we just cut the sugar by 25% and it was still delicious. Right? So just look for little opportunities where you can make substitutions. Can you cut something back by 25%? Can you substitute the oil in a baked good for some unsweetened applesauce? Little things that you can do that make a big difference. Okay. Tip number four. Again, we're starting out pretty light. We're going to build up. Is eat before the party so you're not so hungry. Sometimes when a party starts at three, we might think we're eating at three, but then we don't eat until five. <laughs> if you have not eaten all day in preparation for this party so that you can be good and hungry, chances are you're going to overeat. And the chances are very high that you're going to overeat. All right. Eat normally as you would throughout the course of the day. If you're meeting at a party at five, make sure you have a good breakfast, make sure you have a good lunch, probably even make sure you have a snack. All right. Don't skip meals in an effort to save up on calories you will be, you'll feel starved and therefore you'll eat faster and you'll overeat. It never, ever ends well. So this one, you're just going to have to take my word for it. Make sure that you're eating consistently up until the time of your social event so that you eat an appropriate portion. All right. I tell this to my clients all the time. Your stomach is the size of your fist. If it has been two hours since your last meal, your stomach is still the size of your fist. And if it has been eight hours since your last meal, your stomach is still the size of your fist. What is different is not the size of your stomach. What's different is your blood sugar has tanked and it has now created this feeling of starvation because your blood sugar is so low and your body is doing whatever it can to bring your blood sugar back up. That is what feels more intense. But your stomach itself, it's not growing the longer it has been since your last meal. Sometimes we think of it that way, though, right? If we're going to skip meals in an effort to be really 
good and hungry and eat all the foods at the party, you may feel as if your stomach has grown four sizes, but really it hasn't. It's still the size of your fist. So make sure you're eating before the social engagement so that way your blood sugar is stable enough to not have that overhunger feeling going into the party. Especially if there's lots of foods available. The more people, the more food options. And when we have more options accessible, we tend to eat more. It's why you eat more at a buffet than you do at a you know, at your home when you only have three foods at a meal, right? Because there's more to try. There's more to experience. And so it just turns into more. All right, tip number five, watch the grazing. Remember, here's the thing with grazing. You're never really hungry, but you're also never really full. So you are in this limbo state where you kind of just keep eating because you don't You don't know what to feel. So my tip for grazing is make sure that when you go to a party, you eat off of a plate. Ideally, you eat a meal size at a table from a plate. So that way, you know, you have the visual, you have the experience of eating a meal, which can help symbolize that you are full and finished versus just standing by the basket of pretzels and just kind of grazing all day long. Make sure you eat off of a plate. So anytime that you go to eat something, you get a plate first instead of just picking right out of the basket. It's very hard to quantify how much you eat when you're not eating from a plate. A plate makes it an experience, one that you are more likely to remember. So make sure you're eating from a plate. And always do try to sit down when you eat. Again, sitting down speaks intention to not only you or but also the people around you that what you are doing is important. And so um, it's just, it's an, it's an easy tip, easy to understand, not always easy to execute, especially when there's a lot of people and maybe you want to go talk to somebody, Um, but just have your meal, finish your meal, and then get up away from the table and socialize the rest of the time. All right. Tip number Six, we are social creatures, so prepare accordingly. Social creatures, as we are, means that we will mimic whatever the person in front of us is doing. We will mimic their actions. So when it comes to eating, if the person we're talking to in front of us is eating and, you know, just munching away at, and snacking and grazing and picking, it is just a matter of time before we start grazing, picking, and munching away too. We mimic whatever actions the person in front of us do. We've been doing it since birth, right? Our parents mimicked the way we should behave, and we did it, and we were praised. So we just do whatever's in front of us. And at parties, again, lots of food, lots of eating opportunities. If the person we're talking to is eating, Our body wants to do the same thing, regardless of whether or not we're actually hungry. So one of my tips is to grab a piece of gum and a water bottle. When you are finished eating, you've had your plate and you feel satisfied, then stick a piece of gum in your mouth and grab a water bottle and play with the cap. 
right? Chew your gum, play with the cap. Chewing your gum gets your mouth busy so that it mimics eating and chewing. And giving your hand something to do, screw, unscrew, screw, unscrew. The bottle lid gives your hand something to do. So when somebody is moving their hand from their plate to their mouth, you are also moving your hand in front of you with your bottle. It's an easy, practical tool. Nobody will call you out on it because it just looks like you're playing with your water bottle while you talk and you're chewing gum. Like there's nothing to call out that you're doing abnormal because chances are there's a water bottle there and people chew gum all the time. But it's just something tangible that you can do with your mouth and your hands so that when the person in front of you is eating, you're not necessarily joining them, especially if you're not hungry. So that's tip number six. Tip number seven. All right, this one's going to get a little trickier. Lay aside the guilt. All right, this is, this is a tough one, so stick with me. Have you ever been to a party and you go through the buffet line and you realize there is a dish that no one has tried yet. It's not even your dish. But there is a dish that nobody has tried. And as you're going through that buffet line, all of a sudden you feel bad. You feel bad for the person who brought the dish that nobody is eating. And so you take one for the team because you are a kind person and you get a spoonful or however much food you want of that dish so that way it doesn't look like nobody chose it. Has that ever happened to you? I hear this in my office a lot because I work with the best people with such big hearts and they're so kind. But, here's the but, you are not responsible for making that person feel better. Right? You are not responsible. That is not your job. Nobody else has assumed that position, so why do you think it's your job to take one for the team? Maybe the person, this is going to sound really cold and heartless, but maybe it's just not a dish that they should bring to a party because it's, nobody wants it. <laughs> Clearly nobody wants it. So by you taking it, maybe you're sending the message to that person that they should continue to bring this dish every time they come when really that's not true because nobody wants it. Nobody picks it, right? Or maybe because it's a duplicate item. You know, maybe, you know, there's scalloped potatoes and this was the second dish of scalloped potatoes, but everybody picked the one that was closer, right? It doesn't matter what the reason is that nobody else is picking it. The only tip is it's not your job to save the day. It's your job to protect you. It's your job to take responsibility for your actions. We don't need to make other people feel better or worse. You know what? Maybe they'll feel worse because only one person took their food, right? Like, well, this was a waste. Only one person picked it. It's no different than, well, nobody picked it and I can just take it home and freeze it for another meal. Now I can't because somebody took a bite out of it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the conversation is. All I know is it's not your responsibility to make that person feel better. Your job is to protect you. All those other people don't have any hesitations. They're just fine. And you will be just fine too. Okay? So lay aside the guilt 
It's not your responsibility to eat foods that were not chosen by other people. All right. I told you that was a tough one. All right. What are we on? Tip number eight, I believe. Somewhere around there. Tip number nine. I kind of lost count. Um, what do we put on? Tip number, I'm going to say it's tip number nine. Oh, man, I really wish I would have. I kind of labeled these and then I relabeled them. And now I don't know which number I'm looking at. So that's on me. That's my fault. Let's say it's tip number, tip number eight. Let's just go with tip number eight. Um, be intentional about what you put on your plate. So I like to look for the foods like what am I most excited about, right? What are those foods where you're like, yep, that needs to be on my plate because it looks delicious. Make sure that's on your plate. I don't know if that's one food available or four or five foods available. doesn't matter. I want you to go through that buffet line. I want you to look at the foods and I want you to figure out what are you most excited about? What, what gets you all happy when you see it and excited to try? Make sure it's on your plate. I am not in the business of making you miserable and resentful that you didn't get to have a fun experience. So what are those foods that you want on your plate? Put them on your plate. Now, once they're on your plate, now we have to do a little bit of an assessment. Do we have fiber on our plate? Do we have protein on our plate? Do we have some healthy fats on our plate? Right? If you already have some fiber and healthy fats and produce and protein, then you're good right where you are. You can take that plate back to the table and you can enjoy it. But if you're missing some of those key nutrients like protein and produce and fiber, then what could you put on your plate to fill in the gaps? Where's that veggie tray at, right? I can throw a couple of those on here just for good balance. And that's it. But we don't need to try foods that are just okay, that are mediocre, like, yeah, I like potato salad, but I don't need potato salad, but I'm, I'll put it on my plate because it's here. No, well, I don't have any time for that. I want the foods that I'm really excited about, and then I want balance. Those are my only two objectives when I go to a party. All right, so look around. What is accessible? I always look at the dessert tables first because I want to know, am I, do I need to to balance this out with my, my choices at the meal so that I can have more dessert? Or does the dessert, yeah, I mean, I would eat something here, but I'm not overly excited about it. That's an easy pass. Then I know that I'm going to focus more on the entree foods. But look to see what do you really want, what's going to light you up, and then how can you create balance from there? All right, that's tip number eight. Tip number nine. Offer to serve and offer to do dishes. So a lot of times we go to parties and depending on where you're going or who you're eating with, you may feel some pressure to eat from the people around you, right? We call it um, sabotage, people that sabotage us, right? You know, I made this dessert just for you and I knew you were coming and here comes the guilt and now we feel like we have to eat it. You didn't ask that person to make the dessert for you. They just decided to do that on their own. And the goodwill gesture of the, I was thinking about you and wanted to make this dessert has been accomplished. You feel loved in that moment. 
That doesn't mean you have to eat it. Now, if you ask somebody to make you a dessert and then they make it for you and then in that moment you choose not to eat it, that is still your your decision. But I don't know, that one feels that that feels to <laughs> to me I would feel a little bad about doing that, especially if I made somebody go to the trouble of doing something. But honestly, that's still your decision in the moment if you don't want it. You know, maybe you just offered to bring it home. Like, you know, I'm actually, I'm full right now. Can I please take a piece um, to take with me? Because I really want to enjoy this later. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have some people in your family or your circle that are judging your, your eating styles or what you're putting on your plate, offer to serve because... Honestly, by the time you serve the last person, the first person you served is already done eating. So the, the pressure is off you and the eyes are off you to see if you're going to eat something. But also offer to do dishes. When you are at somebody's house, especially like if you're eating inside on ceramic plates, offer to do dishes versus offering to be the person that puts food away. It's so much easier to take a couple extra bites, you know, especially when you're clearing out containers and you're like, oh, there's only one bite left. I'm not going to put away one bite or I don't want to throw out one bite. And so you end up eating the last bite. But if you get your hands in that soapy water, you're less likely to take extra bites after the meal's over. So offer to serve, offer to do dishes. And then tip number 10 is let your no be no. So we're going back to how do you decline food. The key here is don't be wishy-washy and don't make it about your weight. Well, I really shouldn't because I'm on a diet. That is going to get squashed down quicker than anything else. Oh, come on. It's just a party. We never get together. You're not going to just be bad this one day. You can be good tomorrow. Right. If you make your nose wishy-washy, well, I really shouldn't. You're basically giving the other person an opportunity to swoop right in and give you reasons why that's a stupid choice. Right. Most people are either thinking about weight loss or they're trying to lose weight themselves. So if you start throwing around like I'm on a diet, I don't want to do that. Um, all it does is make people angry <laughs> that they're not following through on their diets. So it's much easier to just let your no be no, which means no thank you. And then you move, move the topic along. I actually had this discussion with a client the other week. We were talking about redirection because she said she had family members that were very acutely aware of everything she ate and making comments about everything she ate. And so we practiced. We we're like, no thank you. And... Oh, Aunt Donna, I, I see you got a new car. How did you, how did you come to find that car? What made you pick that, that, I was going to say that brand, but that model, right? Have a bunch of questions on how you're going to redirect ready to go so it feels flawless. But just let your nose be no. You don't owe anybody an explanation on your food choices. They're your own. And they need to be respected. For some people, it might be easier to have conversations with others before you get to the meal. 
you know, if you struggle with your mom and every time you go over, she makes comments about your food. Maybe you have a conversation prior to the party where you say, mom, hey, listen, I don't want to have conversations about what I put on my plate tomorrow at the party. So if there's something you want to say, just kind of hold it in and keep it to yourself because I don't want to have an awkward conversation in front of everybody else. Right? And just kind of let them know this is a boundary you're putting in place. So that way it's not embarrassing for that person or for you in the moment. A lot of times we will avoid conflict. And so we'll give in to our personal goals for the sake of somebody else's, uh, for the sake of somebody else feeling comfortable. But then at the end of the day, then we're angry with ourselves that we didn't stand up for what we wanted. So just let your no be no. No, thank you. No explanation needed. No, I really shouldn't. Just no thank you. And then move the conversation on. If you absolutely feel like you need to give a reason, let it be about fullness because nobody can argue with that. I'm really full right now, maybe later. Or I'm really full right now, maybe I can take a piece home for later if there's still some left. And that's it. Right? Again, don't make it about diet. Don't make it about weight loss. Don't be wishy-washy. Be really straightforward and move the conversation along. All right, there you go. 10 tips for your next social eating engagement. It is time for your recipe. So the weather is getting warmer. Uh, Not only do we want to make good food choices, but we also want to make good beverage choices. So this recipe is a sparkling green tea. So for this recipe, you're going to need 16 ounces of boiling water, two green tea bags, either decaf or regular, your choice, 16 ounces of lemon-flavored sparkling water, your choice, which name brand you want to choose. Uh, You can use honey. It's optional to sweeten. Uh, And then fresh berries and lemon slices. All right, so this one's a simple one. You're going to add your tea bags to the boiling water and steep according to package directions. If you want to sweeten with honey, this is the time you're going to do it. And then next, you're going to combine the tea with the sparkling water in a pitcher and add some ice cubes, add some lemon slices, and some chopped strawberries. And you have a very refreshing drink for the summer. That's it, guys. Quick and easy today. I hope you have a fantastic week. Happy Memorial Day, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.